1: to Underground Nights. I'm Paul Field in on Sea and I'm joined as ever by my co-host in Atlantic Canada, Mr James Mullinger. Hello, Paul. Great to be back, mate. It's been a while, but I'm guessing that's because you've been insanely busy. Yeah, I, I, I have been busy, but I, I have missed doing this.
2: So I can honestly say that, um, you know, not only is this a, a joy and it's a joy to hear your wonderful voice. I wish we were sharing a pint in central London, but, but, you know, such as it is, we have to do it this way. But I feel like our friendship's been building up to this particular podcast because this is a genre that we have bonded over since day 1 so I'm pumped
1: we love it Brit- british and especially low budget british gangster films we 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 love them we adore them i love the fact
2: that quite early doors though we said it you know it has to be low budget like the long good it has to be low budget like the long good friday need not apply it's too good <laughs>
1: Yeah, and it's good to, It's good to celebrate, you know, what people can do without a lot of money. That is true. But don't get me wrong, we'll also be taking the mickey out of, uh, I, certainly in my case, of, with one film that made an absolute clusterfuck using a lot of money.
2: <laughs> okay, I can't wait, can't wait.
0: Okay,
1: let's do a little bit of housekeeping here. So since we did the last one... I know you've done a tour, yeah. Launched a magazine. You're about to release a zombie film. You've done a Christmas DVD and booked a new arena.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's
1: been... How do we deal with all that? <laughs>
2: yeah, it's been quite busy and managed to, uh, you know, be a, a, a semi-present father at the same time. It's been good. I mean, I'll, I'll rattle through those things. The the tour went went great, and it was filmed for um for a DVD. It's called Maritime Directions. The magazine launched. This week, and it goes on newsstands across Canada next next Friday. And if anyone wants to check it out, it's called uh, maritimeedit.com is the website. But it's a print magazine, so please do subscribe or buy a copy from there. And what was the other thing? Yes, the arena show next year, which I was excited about anyway, to go back and play uh, the same arena that I sold out last year again. But the icing on the cake was receiving a message from one of my dearest friends, uh, your good self, telling me that you are flying over from England to come over for the show. And honestly, that has been uh, one of, that to me it was just the greatest news I've had all year.
1: Oh, mate, I'm really pleased. Um, Yeah, we were, there was no way I was missing that show again. Because the last time you did it quite quickly, yeah. the beauty of giving a long lead time, it meant I could book tickets, sort out holidays, kids, et cetera, get flights without any like, stress on 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 everyday life so yeah. i'm really looking forward to it mate it should be good and i'm in the front row you're in the
2: front row i'm going to show you saint john uh, all of the great amazing sights and sounds of saint john but you're right i mean the wonderful thing about doing it this way is you know i've got a year to fill it last year i had three months to to, to fill it which again had numerous uh stresses as i'm sure you can imagine mm. but, um no to, to have you there in the front row uh, of a hopefully full arena. Of course, what could happen is by then my, my cachet within New Brunswick could have just died and it could actually just be me and you <laughs> in a hockey arena. Uh, but you know what? We'll have a good time no matter what because we know how to party.
1: We certainly do, mate. We certainly do. R- really sad news to um, report this time. We don't normally do people passing away on this show, but when I when I saw that Roger Moore had uh, had left us, I, it it really it kind of that really hit me. I was in the office and I, I really felt that one as a kid growing up. Yeah. It was a huge influence on my life. I lived for that yearly visit to the cinema. Well, not yearly visit to the cinema, but that yearly visit to see a James Bond film at the cinema. And as with most people, the, the your Bond is the one you grew up with, and for me, it, it was Roger Moore. I, I completely agree,
2: and, it, and it's a fun, it's a funny thing, isn't it? How people kind of go, "Oh, he was the he was the cheesy Bond, or whatever," but then, I mean, everything about Bond is slightly cheesy, anyway. But also, as you rightly say, we grow up with him, so it didn't—it wasn't cheesy to us then. He was just the coolest man alive.
1: Oh, uh, mate, absolutely! My my dad loved James Bond, and he took me to all of them. The first film I ever saw, or the first A-rated film I ever saw on my own, was in 1977. Was was the Spy Who Loved Me? Because Star Wars was full. Oh, wow! <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
1: and he, and ever since then, even recently, I was in Brighton. Um, there's a lovely old boy. He must be about ninety who owns a specialist soundtrack shop in Brighton. It's kind of hidden away. And um, I went in to get some James Bond stuff. that I knew he had some, like, Japanese things. And he, mad collector he is. And he, um, he made me really welcome and then got out all of his holiday photos. So this guy who runs this record shop specialising in James Bond records. Going oh, in, every holiday he went on <laughs> virtually was to a James Bond film set ski resort. <laughs> so wherever they'd filmed Bond, that's where he went on holiday. <laughs> I thought that was amazing. Uh, it's genius.
2: For me, it was like like I remember one of the first VHS I ever owned was the Warner Brothers big box, you know, beautiful black uh, cover of You to a Kill. As you say, it is sad. And also, I mean, who cannot who cannot love a man who makes my love me a very well received Bond movie, you know? And then, you know, Moonraker's in development. You know, but rather than kind of resting his laurels for two years, he goes off and makes the wild geese and escape to Athena. I mean, that is a true legend right there. And can I just also say that you are a legend for the simple fact that uh, that you are so old that you can still refer to going to see movies that were Certificate A. <laughs> 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 Fuck off.
1: That's amazing. <laughs> and double A. <laughs> I don't that exactly, <laughs> No, oh, I love that. In other news, at the moment, I've just I noticed a story about the Alamo Draft House. Yeah. Who announced women-only screenings for Wonder Woman? Whether you think that's a good idea or a bad idea, invariably. Blokes on Twitter got really upset about this, and then started demanding their own screenings for things like Star Wars. Right. I mean, what, what do you think?
2: Well, these are the same men who, every year on you know International Women's Day, say, "What about International Man's Day?" Mm. I mean, it's this—it's it, it, this kind of pathetic attempt, obviously, always generally by misogynists to try and argue that everything's—you know—everything's you know, everything's skewed the other way. It's—it's it's essentially they are all just the Tom Han- Tom Cruise character in Magnolia that's that you know and i mean everyone can do what they want to do and you know what i mean there are plenty of there are plenty of male only screenings and I, I call them every time a marvel movie opens. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, you, know <laughs> you know and also i mean i've been to plenty of men the signs on the door of the porn cinemas that i used to go to didn't say men only but there was only men in there wanking so um uh, you know, they were men only and I didn't see women outside the porn cinema with placards going, we demand the right to come in. They didn't want to go in. Wait,
1: hang on. You remember going to a porn cinema?
2: Do you not remember going to porn? There's actually one, interesting enough, there's actually <laughs> one. It's called Cinema Le Meur right, in Montreal and it is still there and nothing about it, it's, it's obviously retro looking and it's beautiful, it's actually like you're in a in a Martin Scorsese movie from the 70s or or, or indeed, you know, British. Um, you, you feel like you're Paul Raymond when you walk in there and nothing's changed about it. And what's, and what's just a, a, a remarkable is you just think, you know, presumably everyone in the world knows that not only can you watch porn at home, but also the, the, the little device in your pocket has every porn movie ever made on it and you can literally access it free. The fact that there is still a porn cinema existing where people are paying to go and sit in a public room uh, is amazing. So, enough respect to the uh, to the patrons of uh, Cinema Lamar in uh, Montreal.
1: Bloody, I can't believe it's still going. Isn't it, you know? Um, I've mentioned a few times that my my father and grandfather were cinema proprietors. Oh yeah, I
2: remember, yeah.
1: yeah. What I haven't mentioned is my uncle Don mm. had a nudie cinema in Hastings, round the corner from the crypt, which you've been to, called the Penguin. <laughs> The Penguin. <laughs> the Penguin. It was definitely a nudie cinema. Even though I was only young, I knew what was going on in there.
2: <laughs> you, knew, you knew when Uncle Don came round with his with his mop covered in cum that he'd been up to. he finished a long, hard shift at the Penguin mopping up. <laughs>
1: The penguin nudie cinema. You know, no other podcast brings you that. Although, although
2: ironically, I imagine that the state of the floor of the penguin was still an improvement on the crib. I'd still <laughs> rather eat my dinner off the floor of the penguin than I would
1: off the floor of the crib. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> An underground. Now it's a, a rarity. We're gonna we're gonna do a new release or. Kind of semi-new, yeah. Semi-new. Well, for the rest of us who live in the civilized world, we got to see T2 Train Spotting back in February, and it was marvellous. However, because James chased <laughs> out of the country, crying over Brexit, the police were possibly after him. He now lives in a in a, in a backwater in the middle of nowhere, with no cinema. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not quite that bad, is it? But I think oh. certain British releases don't make it to uh, New Brunswick, so you've only just got to see Train Spotting too.
2: Absolutely, absolutely, and. And and I would point out, I mean, yeah, I mean, I I live in a place that a lot of people in England, all my friends in England do think it's in a backwater because they they see the views of where I live and they can't possibly comprehend that a a place like this exists uh, in a civilised place. Now, the thing is, actually, where I live does have a, a, a vast cinema. We have malls, we've got arenas, we've got everything. We've got everything. You I miss nothing from England, apart from you, Paul, and being able to get uh, British gangster movies quicker than waiting for Amazon. However, the one thing that does seem to happen, that living on this side of Canada, is there's a prejudice about my side of Canada, which is that we're all, you know, um, backwards. It's not just you that thinks that, it's the rest of Canada. So, for example... um, Cineplex, who have, you know, a chain of, of cinemas across the country, don't send what, uh, essentially. for ex- I'll give you an example, Moonlight didn't get a proper release here because they thought, oh, in the Maritimes, in the east coast of Canada, they're all racist homophobes, they're not going to like it, which is, of course, you know, uh, utterly ridiculous, a completely absurd prejudice. And uh, unfortunately, Transposing 2 was a target as well. It was released in other parts of Canada, but it showed in one cinema in Halifax, for like a week so it's mortifying for me as someone who's you know is not only the biggest urban welsh fan i'm a colossal fan of the film saw it when it came out i've watched it more times than any other film have literally been waiting 21 years for this i've read porno three times and for anyone uh, that is the sequel to Spotting. in case you're wondering why i've just thrown in the fact <laughs> that i've read three porno mags randomly that is the sequel the, the the book form sequel to transporting so yes i waited Uh, And as you know, I I knew you saw it in January when it came out, and I've only just now seen it. It's obviously coming out on Blu-ray and DVD and digitally, uh, actually in North America and England right now. So we are relevant. And
1: the soundtrack, I just need to point out, comes out, I think it's Friday on vinyl.
2: On vinyl. Right, and I have placed a pre-order for that because I did love the vinyl, and I, I, I still adore the characters. However... Let's go with you. What did you think of it? You, you obviously now you've had a couple of months to think about it. Now, yeah, and
1: I've rewatched it since the other night,
2: right? And and I've, I, and I've watched it twice as well. It's
1: it's it's a proper love letter to the original, but also a really enjoyable modern day romp. And I I, I just loved it. it. I just it was it spoke to me. It ticked all the boxes for me. It was like he'd made it for me,
2: right? And I agree with all of that. And it is a romp. And I guess we were kind of expecting too much if we expected it to kind of be life-changing like the original was and as you say it definitely speaks to us as people who saw the original back then I mean some of the best scenes are the scenes that are taking the piss out of them and the scenes to me which I would have liked to see a lot more of is the scene with Sick Boy and Renton Doing lines of code, like telling stories, getting hammered, and talking to this young girl and telling stories. And again, we can you all kind of you can kind of we can all see ourselves in that, like you know, going out telling telling all these stories, and and then young people kind of looking at us, going, "You sad old fucks!" Like you literally have become, you know, that we, we we've become our dads. So I liked that kind of idea of it being about you know male friendship and and all the rest of it. However, th- there's certain things that I, I I was watching it, loving it, and again, but. To pick it apart, I have to say that the negative reviews I did read, and when I say negative, they were just you know they're three star reviews, not not ones that the three star reviews that kind of had criticisms and complaints. I do agree with most of those criticisms. Uh, you know, there wasn't enough of that. I mean, it was quite odd actually, also to have a scene where they both essentially they are addicts. Let's lest we forget, uh, heroin addicts. So they relapse for a scene and it's not referred to again, which much as I hate to sound like the Daily Mail, that's slightly an irresponsible plot line to have in a movie, you know, the defining, uh, ca- you know, heroin addicted characters, probably in cultural history to, sh- to show them, uh, how, you know, shooting out for one for one final fun hit and then everything's fine again. Like that seemed an odd plot choice because pre- presumably heroin addiction isn't quite as simple as that, right? But again, that's... Um,
1: that's by the by. No, I, I know I know what you're saying, but I don't think they wanted to dwell too much on, certainly not on the drugs and certainly not with heroin, because that really doesn't play to an international audience. And we, we live in a world where you can't make a film for the Brits anymore, not on that kind of budget, not, not with that level of expectation. So it has to be able to sell internationally and they weren't going to be doing, but, you know, raging heroin withdrawal and stuff this time around. It just wasn't going no. to work.
2: Yeah, and, and and that's a very good point I mean to be honest it oddly you know like most people I wasn't a fan of the I wasn't a big fan of the of the book porno
1: oh really that's what I wanted to get into because watching the film having I've read the book again at least three times if not more and I found it quite confusing at times what was going on because I, this, this some of these the stories already is burnt into my m- memory so what was happening on screen? What didn't feel quite right? Well,
2: I agree, and this
1: is kind of my point. Like I,
2: I didn't love porno, but I didn't, I did, I definitely didn't hate it. Like I know a lot of people did, but my biggest criticism of the film is, is that some of the best plot lines from the book, which also made perfect sense, were. Uh, abandoned. I mean, my, for, for me, the biggest, to be honest, the biggest crying thing, crying out in my head, the whole uh, film was, "Where's Juice Terry?" Where's
1: Juice Terry? Where is Juice Terry? He's is... my hero in the train spotting universe. I fucking love Juice Terry Lawson.
2: <laughs> me too. I love that. Have you read the new book? Yeah, 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 where... yeah.
1: A decent ride. Yeah. I mean,
2: I mean, he, Juice Terry is definitely. I mean, obviously in Glue, he's amazing. Obviously in in um. I believe does he pop up in Scad Boys as, as well?
1: I'm not sure if he. I, does. I can't remember. I think he pops up in the 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 is it um, is it the sequel to Filth? I think he pops up briefly when they go off to Miami yes, and stuff. But yeah, but he 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 does pop up a lot. Yeah, and he would have definitely been a good character to add. But but yeah, just 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 some of it just didn't
2: didn't basically ring true to me. And I feel like the the whole Spud is writing the book's plot. I think that probably read great in the script and I think they probably all went that's very clever but actually I thought it was a bit shit.
1: What did you think about the callbacks because there are a lot a lot of visual callbacks you know from everything from so you know especially that that car bonnet. I mean
2: they could definitely done with less although you know those were the points that it kind of like you know in some ways you know came to life for the fans because mm-hmm. essentially in essence the plot is a bit like you know I mean why why did Renton come home I mean I mean I mean there's there's a lot of kind of you know there's a lot of plot holes in there G- giving begbie um, some some you know, sympathetic character traits i thought was interesting and again it was interesting them incorporating that scene from uh, from the original book where they meet begbie's dad and he says the thing about the train spotting line i
1: think they took some footage that wasn't in the original film and, and edited that in did you not notice that there was stuff that i didn't recognize but was clearly shot back then
2: right i wasn't sure if it was just clever digital digital but you're right like the, the footage of them in that in that scene, when it flashed back,
1: I think the character playing his dad was him. though so that wasn't interesting, yeah. Because in the in the notes, it's in the in the cast list, it says um, that, that Robert Carlyle is Begbie and Begbie's dad. Oh,
2: interesting, interesting. Um, I mean, I mean, so oh, overall, obviously, you know, it was it ever going to live up to, to twenty one years of open expectation for me. Not, I mean, I mean, I watched it, I wept, I, I, you know, I, I cried. It made me think about my life. Um, but, but ultimately, I mean, the original was just mind blowing and life changing, and this is just a, an excellent film. So I mean, you know, I'm definitely definitely not complaining. But yeah, f- for me, the old part po- now there's certain visual bits that, that in I mean, I definitely think we could have seen more of Renton's life in Amsterdam. That seemed way too yep. too too yep. too rushed. Um, I also just think in in porno. I just love the. the I mean, there's a vi- there's a visual I have in my head, which is again maybe it's because of, because of from my bootlegging days. But I love the image of I think it was Re- uh, um, uh, Sick Boy and Renson sitting in the porn warehouse, sticking VHS covers or DVD covers into the things to you know when they're manufacturing mm-hmm. their porn movie. But I loved that that visual. Um, and again, the whole idea of them setting up the brothel. I mean, and, and I, I did. Also, uh, uh, Sick Boys Pub. Again, I've pictured it in my head a million times. It, it, it felt, it did look and felt a bit like a film set. It
1: felt like a caricature of, of of a pub. It felt like the guest house in Guest House Paradiso.
2: Exactly, exactly right. It felt like something like, like exactly. It didn't feel like a real pub. Did it, it felt like what a multi-millionaire director's vision of what uh, a scuzzy pub looks like, and actually isn't like that. And also, you know uh one person in their drink i mean the other of course the other biggest problem is of course oh really you know it's a sick but 20 years on sick boys you know an, uh, an alcoholic cokehead that just you know lives by the flight and he's ripped like a movie star is he come on <laughs> yeah. you put on some weight like like that th- th- that to me is i, I really hate that and that's my biggest complaint in nocturnal animals that I otherwise enjoyed, you know, which was the Aaron Taylor Johnson. I think one I can't remember. If was the Guardian put it best when they said, you know, it was the and oddly enough, he won a lot of awards in 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 America for for that part. But it was it was like you know. Aaron Taylor Johnson being being cast in as a, as a as that character, you know, it's a, he's a man who looks like living on the edge. is not is is missing his his moisturising routine, his exfoliating routine for a day, and it's like, yeah, they, you know, I, I hate it when you get these ripped, moisturised, perfect skin bastards being cast in these roles where they're supposed to be, you know, living the dream every day. We,
1: we could touch upon some other stuff we've seen. So did you, did you, I, know, I, I guess you, you love Nocturnal Animals. Mm.
2: And it was actually, I mean, I, I should point out that I'm sure Tom Ford's defence for my complaint just then would be that it, the, the book is being seen through her eyes. So that's probably how I mean envisions the character. I mean, I, I did, Nocturnal Animals was one of the, oscar movies that i watched last having as you know been bought to tears by Arrival and and various other ones um and then watched that and was just and thoroughly entertained and 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 again lucky i knew nothing about it but was sufficiently gripped and also just found that final scene uh some of the best acting i've seen in years amy adams's face conveying both you know excitement then you know uh uh, confusion and disappointment then realization, like uh, I just thought it was a real amazing you know acting quite often people do people think it's easy, and having me tried it in a couple of you know low budget british gangster movies and and discovering that acting is actually very bloody difficult um and I say that as someone who is diabolical at it and will never do it again to to see that um. Amy Adams put off that. It, it's really nothing short of, of genius. But yeah, I, I thought it was a great film.
1: Personally, I think Amy Adams is, is the best actress working at the moment. I think you right. Do you know what? I first saw Amy Adams back in, it was 05. I've just looked it up in a film called Junebug, Bug. Okay. And I'd never heard of her before. And I watched this film and I just thought, fucking hell, who is this? Because she's fucking amazing. And then she, she blew up. Yeah. i done that very often. Normally, I go, "That's an amazing <laughs> performance," and I'll never see them again, or I turn up in yeah. Holly Oaks. <laughs> Um true. I know something else you've seen, actually. So we can we can um, we can kind of finish this section on this, which is yeah. a cure for wellness. Yeah, two and I a mean, half hours, James. Two and a half hours.
2: Two and a half hours. Now this is a movie which. For some reason, everyone thought that uh, an Dane DeHaan, who again, I mean, is clearly a, a darling of you know independent cinema, and and he's going to break through to the big time. But for some reason, somebody thought they could make a movie as as long as The Shining, and give someone less plot mm-hmm. to work with, and that this person would somehow be able to carry a film as if they were Jack Nicholson. And I'll be honest, I um don't get to the cinema very often. When I do, it, generally when I'm on the road. And I was doing some festivals in Ontario back to back and so I could only go to like like lunchtime screenings so I checked what was on at the cinema and the only thing that was on at like you know twelve ten was a cure for wellness I went sat through 90% of it and then there was a point at which when uh the the guy started sticking his fingers in his 200 year old daughter's vagina I mean I I couldn't even
1: spoiler bloke sticks his fingers in his 200 year old daughter's vagina <laughs> Uh, that, 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 I
2: mean, I mean that says that that, that sentence alone tells you everything you need to know about this god awful film. Where literally nothing James, after that, two
1: hours and fifteen minutes, I was joyous that he'd done this because something happened. <laughs> something
2: happened before that. It's Dane Dan walking around corridors, and you kind of think there's going to be some clever, clever, you know, twist. And the clever twist is something which Roger Corman would have done a shit on and wiped his arse. I mean, I mean, literally, like it is so. I mean, so basically, I I sat through two hours of it. And then about ten minutes from the end, got up and walked out of the cinema, which I never do, uh, very rarely do. But what I'd never done before was walk out muttering and grumbling. Like, and I, I did that. I was like a grumpy old man. I'm walking out of the cinema, going, "That is fucking disgusting. What a lump! But that is just dogs. I couldn't believe that this movie had been. And again, I hate. I don't. I generally don't like Saginaw films because I know how much work goes into making them. But with that, the arrogance of Vabinsky, awful... isn't it?
1: Who makes. He basically does family films and cartoons. Right,
2: right. And for him to, um, I don't know. I mean, what, I mean, what was your, what was your impression when you had the misfortune uh, of sitting just, through that? Just,
1: I was just wishing for it to end. Then it all kicked off at the end. Then I felt really uncomfortable and made and had to check how old that bloody poor girl was. Right. Even though she looks twelve, she's actually twenty-three.
2: Right, but, but it, it was that was just oh, horrible. horrible. And again, I mean, I'm a man that's watched Serbian film three times. So I am, yeah, I, I mean, I have not. Oh, Mollinger, you are a wrong'un. I, I am a wrong'un. <laughs> but yet, Cure for Wellness is more wrong, but not entertaining with it. No. And then similarly, talking of movies that are way too long, I mean, we'll just touch on this. I mean, I finally got around to watching a movie that I've been so excited to see since I read, again, the glowing reviews, and I should point out the unanimously glowing reviews, which was uh, American Honey which i thought which is of course andre arnold uh, who has made uh, fish tank uh, made, this is a, it, numerous british films yep. won an oscar uh for uh red road was it i think it was called but um the movie with uh, with danny Dyer in it the only danny Dyer movie i believe to ever win an oscar yeah that was a
1: short and- the red road i think was a, was a thing set in um in glasgow scottish drama but that was but they're all good her body of work
2: is good. It's great. And this is her first venture into American filmmaking. So she hasn't sold out to her credit. She's, she, she's done, you know, uh, Red Road. I think, oh no, you're right. Red Road was another one of her films. Wasp is the yeah. one I'm thinking of that won the Oscar, which again, Wasp is a, a, a masterpiece of filmmaking. A kind of five or 10 minute film with Danny Dyer is possibly best. Um, with a hell of a lot of uh, a multi-layered plot packed into that ten minutes,
1: it's nearly—it's actually nearly half an hour. I just looked it up, but it's so good. It's so good. Beautiful kitchen sink. It is beautiful. I mean, it's—it's a—it's
2: one of the best kitchen sink movies uh, of all time, I would say. And yet, conversely, American Honey is three hours and there is no plot, nothing. Uh, no resolution, no ending. And I hate the put the complaint that there's no ending because you don't need an ending on everything. You know, people could say that about nocturnal animals. But but, but the thing with The American Handling that I had such a problem with is um, so often with these movies that claim to be realist, what they mean mm. by realist is, well, we've shot it in a documentary-style way, but it's not realist. It's actually just... An old white person's idea of what young it's a it, it's it's an old white person's fantasy of what young people are getting up to. And the thing is young people are they are going out and partying, yes. Are they going around in a van, uh uh drinking gallons of whiskey and smoking hundred bongs and they're knocking on doors and actually selling magazine subscriptions? No. I, I, I find that very hard to I find it with anyone answering the door to someone who is stinking of booze and 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 pot is buying a magazine subscription. Uh, but more to the point, there there was no plot, none of the characters were given any any and and as you know, I as as a non-actor was once asked to uh, uh, you know play myself and not uh, not react to anything. I generally find that these actors who I and mean, again the critics disagree disagree with this, and so you know, I I am probably wrong, but boyhood and this, where it's a non-actor being asked to basically just react to the actors and not act, I find those performance is deathly dull and similarly with this i i i and i hate saying this because this is obviously a girl you know who's just come out of nowhere and and has carried this movie and the critics love her so she can take it from some nobody that lives in lives in the middle of the middle of nowhere
1: well i've got this it's my bugbear at the moment james is the especially if you're going to deliver me a realistic drama you've got to pass my it didn't happen test because i was watching this and all the time i'm thinking well that didn't happen that Didn't happen, and it's, it's just drives me. I get it if you're doing a horror film, people need to make really stupid mistakes to progress the plot, and, and that I'm absolutely fine with that. But you, if you're going to deliver me an Andrew Arnold film, yeah. full of inconsistencies, completely unbelievable, just no, it wasn't for me. It was way too long, way too self indulgent. And, and as soon as I saw Shia LaBeouf's name on it, I was already like, Ugh.
2: yeah, but 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 like you, I mean, I come into everything you know, open-minded. And I really wanted to love that. And I'd say 15 minutes in, I thought I thought the opening was good. I thought the bit in Walmart or whatever was good. And then just nothing. And and, I, and no connection between the, the two protagonists. I mean, it, and it's so weird. I mean, I can see why all of these white middle-class critics, you know, give it, because they're like, oh my God, it's so believable. Even though I will never have to rummage through a dumpster to look for food. I imagine <laughs> that's fact. What it's like, right? And and I just I just I actually find those fucktards. Yeah, but I thought, I was on board at the start. I was on board with that. Oh, and I that, yeah, and I love that. Too. I I agree. I, that bit I thought was brilliantly realised. Mate,
1: if you could, if you if you knew you could get a group of teenagers in a van and you could shift half a million copies of the Maritime Edit, you'd have them out on the road right now. <laughs> <laughs> mate, they're already out there, mate. They're already out there. Uh, um, but, but but
2: there's. Uh, Yeah, I don't. As you rightly say, if it's going to be a supposedly believable movie, it has to ring true. And just seeing someone down a bottle of whiskey and then walk up to a front door, you, you know, you've lost me.
1: To look at our favourite three or possibly top three gangster and crime films, British. Uh, as a nice little intro to this, James, on the Britflix website, Lovely. a couple Lo- of days ago, yep, love it, they did a list um, of, your, of the 50 must see, um, which they then decided to order by IMDb rating. It's BritFlix 50 must-see crime, urban, hooligan, prison, and <laughs> gangster films of the 21st century. Very, very specific, that list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To be fair, they were also struggling to come up with a catch-all phrase for this genre, and they've just thought, let's just name every t- everything that can happen in the films.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's genius.
1: <laughs> um, there's some interesting, they've got some stats here. In their top 50, there are five directors who've got a couple of films each. You've got Ben Wheatley, Nick Love, Noel Clarke, uh, Ray Birdis, Sasha Bennett.
0: Right.
1: And then actors with the most credits. Go on then, see if you can name the actors who've got the most credits. Name any of them. The best films. I mean, I mean, obviously f- Nick
2: Naverne. Mm,
1: <laughs> Nick Naverne isn't on there, but he's in quite a few of them. This is, these are all Brit gang flicks, Hoolie porn.
2: Ever, ever. The top 50. So it's ever. So it can, yep. so like, it can include Long Good Friday, for instance. Yeah, but
1: that, I don't I don't think it's... I'll put, God, I'll tell you, you've got Danny Dyer. Oh, yeah. Jamie Foreman. Of course. Roland Manukian. Yes. Yeah, love Roland. Tama Hassan. Yeah. Furda. Tony Denham. Tony Denham, led. Tony Denham. Who's top? He's my favourite gangster, Brit gangster actor. I know you have got it it's not Danny Dyer, but it's not.
2: Yeah, who is it? Neil Maskell. Oh, legend. I mean I mean, I'm pleased to hear it took one piece to hear that, and that is beautiful. Is that um, no disrespect to any of those other actors. But Mascot is a properly world-class Oscar-deserving de- actor. Yeah, like, like you know, and, and I love head and shoulders,
1: mate. Head and shoulders.
2: Yeah, like you see him in other stuff, but I mean, his, I mean, his. Um, I, well, this 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 movie might come up later, but his performance in Football Factory is just incredible.
1: When I did my list, I I, I try to encapsulate kind of everything across the genre, from from hooligans to gangsters to um. To bent coppers, to revenge. Yeah. So I've, I haven't necessarily done my favourite three, but nice. three that, as if you watch them as a triple bill, mm. would perfectly encapsulate the whole genre.
2: Beautiful. I love how you are. I've just picked three movies. With <laughs> the word hooligan
1: less- in the title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I
2: mean, I mean I, I, and this is a very, very important point. I mean, I should point this out before we go any further to anyone that isn't familiar with my love of hooligan films. Mm. I love hooligan films, as a lot of people do, but the odd thing about my love of it is I'm not actually a football fan. I personally, you know, I love... I mean, so, you, know, you, you, you people used to say, you know, oh you know the hooligans they're not real football fans well that's actually true because i love hooliganism but i hate football and 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 to paraphrase those uh, those old ads when they were trying to you know combat hooliganism i actually think that um, contrary to what they were trying to say I think that we need to stamp the football out of hooliganism. I think it actually tars the beautiful art of hooliganism uh with that, with that ball nonsense.
1: Well, as you know James, I'm the opposite because I love football. Love football and you um, hooligans. I don't I do like hooligan films. Actually, well, not that long ago I got quite drunk mm. and then ordered every single film on Amazon <laughs> with the know. word hooligan in the title and <laughs> Then they wouldn't stop coming through my letterbox. It was just <laughs> relentless.
2: But well, I think, it's, honestly, when I see you done that, I thought it was one of most beautiful things in the world.
1: The other thing is, I've done. They, they call them tours. It sounds it's like you're going You know, you, you're going away to war. But yeah. I, I went to two tournaments um, yeah. with England. Uh, I went to the World Cup in '98, and I did Euro 2000 wow. in um, Holland and Belgium. With, with my pals and yeah. the antics we got up to were, you know, were incredible and it was such good fun. However, yeah. what we weren't was hooligans. Yeah. And this is absolutely what? true. We, we were in this tiny little town in Belgium yeah. and in honour of the Romanian World Cup squad of 1998, yeah. we all had our hair dyed white blonde. Nice. And this is yeah. in 2000, we go into this bar. And this bloke behind the bar, everyone in there just stops, stares, looks at us. The bloke behind the bar reaches down, whips out a shotgun, cocks it, <laughs> you hear this, ch- ch- and he goes, are you with guns? We go, <laughs> no!
2: <laughs> it was just... I mean, hearing that, I mean, I mean, it's one of those things, right? I'm obviously being somewhat facetious in that, obviously, you know, put me in any violent situation, I'll be absolutely terrified. What I think I love, having never been you know, a lad and having not been, you know, in a in a group of guys, for me, I think that as basically a bit of a ponce, what I quite like is watching movies about male camaraderie. And that's what uh, I like about these, th- th- these movies is that kind of sense of men coming together. And they are for us, they are our gangster movies, you know, what Goodfellas was to Americans, football factory is to us. It's a group of guys coming together. You might not approve of what they're doing, but you know what? They're legends.
1: They are, mate. And when <laughs> when I seen it, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you all about. I'll tell you about that Belgian ship. We we're right on the Dutch border. And the bar we were in, Jackie's bar. His younger brother had the club across the road, and he was a naughty boy. He was
2: naughty. Was it, was a he was very naughty? naughty
1: boy. Very naughty. <laughs> now, as I said, I, I wanted to kind of capture the whole spectrum. Here and I had to include Danny Dyer in this because he is a legend. You're not going to believe this, but I'd actually forgotten that you were in this because uh, I've gone for Vendetta from 2013. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> excellent choice. Uh, I rewatched I mean... it last night in preparation, um, directed by Stephen Reynolds, Danny Dyer, Vincent Reagan, and I fucking love Vincent Reagan. I think yeah. he's absolutely awesome. Every time he, he, he pops up in a film... I just know it's going to be good.
2: He's hugely over uh, so, sorry hugely underrated as well. Like like yeah. like like I mean you know that is a guy who puts in a world class performance every time yeah. and never gets the credit. He's always kind of you know the unsung hero yeah. essentially. So,
1: but, let,
2: but it's a good choice. I it mean, is. I mean
1: it's... for our listeners who don't know it, it's uh, it's yeah. about a special ops officer, Jimmy Vickers, played by Danny Dyer, who tracks down a, this gang who slaughter his parents. It's yeah. a straight up revenge film. You've got some really creative deaths for all those responsible. And I've said this before, and I think I may have even said it to you. Although this was well-received, there, there were two reasons I love this film. One, it didn't cost a lot of money, but it looks like they've spent 10 million quid on it.
2: That is true. Hang on.
1: Two, it plays out like a Korean revenge film. And if this was in fucking Korean... This would have like an 8.8 on IMDb and everyone would be jizzing over it because it is no different to all the highly regarded Korean revenge films, which are excellent, but this is just as good. You if this are had subtitles, cool. everyone would be jizzing over this film.
2: Honestly, it's funny. This is why we do this podcast because you surprise me every time uh, uh, with, with with you know the pearls of wisdom that come out of your mouth, but that could not be more accurate. And, and again, for me... Personally, beautiful to hear because I, mean, I don't know how, how much you know about, but I was quite, you know, Jonathan and I were working on on the Danny Dallard book around that time, so I was quite, you know, aware and involved with watching that creative process of them making it. And, of course, the genius of it is most movies about this is most movies revenge films, it's like, you know, he's an ordinary family man and they took his family away and now he's gonna get revenge. You know, you know, he's gonna, a new side of him is gonna come out. The twist with this is this guy's job is fucking, you know, ripping people's noses off. Uh, so what happens if you fuck him over? Imagine the sick shit he's gonna do to those people. Um, from the opening frame, I think the, uh, the director of Toby's name is Hader Zaffer. Uh And again, he got name checked in a lot of reviews. Uh, as being just, you know, a genius. Did you say, I mean, I don't know how much it cost. All I know is it wasn't much, but it does look like it cost tens oh, of millions.
1: Honestly, it looks like it cost, uh, you know, a lot of money. It's just, it's tight. It's really well made. It's really well acted. I'll tell you the other thing about it is there's not any kind of, um, apart from you, <laughs> there's no stunt <laughs> casting with people <laughs> from fucking reality programs. Everyone there is doing a really good job they know what they're doing. It, it, it's just, it doesn't look like a load of it's having a laugh. It looks like a professionally made film.
2: Yes, no, ab- absolutely. And it's funny. I mean, if you listen to the commentary, they actually talk about there was quite a funny moment where my scene is obviously with Nick Laverne and I've never acted before. And I walk in to do my line. And not only could he not uh, act back because I was so bad, he couldn't even be polite. He actually just burst out laughing. And it's one of those moments that you never forget. I mean, in live. She Mate, made you, a, you
1: do look terrified. And for the first time I actually noticed when I watched it again last night is Sothcourt is sitting right behind you. Sothcourt's
2: behind me. We're yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, actually in Hush, his favourite restaurant in, in in London, right by the Vogue House offices, where him and I used to have loads of long, boozy lunches. And, uh, and I mean, in the end, I mean, Reynolds was amazing. Like, he... He's obviously gone on to have, have quite a bit of success in the states, and I've bought all of his. He's make, makes a lot of those WW movies, like mm-hmm. a twelve round sequel and stuff like that. And I've bought all of them and enjoyed them. I mean, the man knows how to direct an action scene, like like you wouldn't believe. But but for my part, for him, he he was basically you know all of us, that obviously I guess you learn in acting school. But that thing about like you know you don't. I mean, and again for me as a comedian, I'm used to projecting my voice and all the rest of it. So. Uh, he worked with me to make that scene not ter- and and now I mean it's still terrible but it's not as terrible as it as it could have been but that's an excellent choice because it is as you rightly say it's a revenge movie give it subtitles and and put the words you know. Park, woo, whatever
1: his name
2: is on it. Park Chan work, yeah. Yeah. So it would
1: Can wear... I just say as a final note, I, I assume that Sothcott had sat there because they're on the 25th take, you were burning money and you had a cattle prod under the table for every time you fluffed your lines.
2: <laughs> I mean, the one thing about that movie was that, that was that was like the, that was a... a t- There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. Turning point for Danny in the a it, di- it didn't get it got some stinker reviews but for the most part it got like Total Film giving it three stars saying you know this is actually surprisingly good and it was definitely it was in this point where for Danny you know thousands of these movies had come out where he'd make because of the success of certain other movies like Football Factory these movies would come out that he'd an art house movie he'd made with Ta- Tamar Hassan. And then they would release it and call it City Rats and put them with guns on the cover, even though at mm-hmm. no point in the film did they handle guns. And his fans were kind of deserting him because they were being ripped off so many times by these movies with Hooligan in the title uh, or whatever it was. And then he comes up with this movie that is actually properly good. And um, it was nice that it got you know it got reaction that it, that it deserved from a lot of people. And I believe it was a monster hit on DVD and Blu-ray. Cool. What's your number three, James? My number three is a classic which... Combines all of the things into one, right? All of the different, all of, all of those things that were listed there. It is a a, a a beautiful film. that funny enough, I've just picked up and it has a quote from Britflix on the front. See if you can guess what it is. The quote from Britflix is on the cover and it is "Forget football, factory, and foot soldier. This is an epic, brutal classic. Blood will be spilled.
1: Bonded by blood. No. Saint George's Day." Oh my god.
2: <laughs> <You see that? laughs> this is a directed by Frank Harper. <laughs> right. And then and then the tagline for it is Affirm a Match.
1: Is this all with Charles oh. Dancing? What yeah, Charles
2: Dancing. <laughs> Mascot, Mascot, Ashley Walters, Vincent Regan, Fairbrass
0: and oh
2: I mean coming. Tell me, that is I mean, that is literally the best boy band that never was. ARPA, Fairbrass, Reagan, Walters, <laughs> Mescal, and Don. <Dawn.
1: laughs> That's amazing. Do you know <laughs> what? Why you've mentioned him? I fucking love fake Fairbrass. He gets so I don't know what it is. Can he not shake off the East Enders thing? Because he's so good. He's and he's a-, a nasty bastard.
2: Oh yeah, I've heard in real life he, he yeah, he crunches people. I mean, I mean, he is he is in real life a proper hard bastard. Uh, what I love about this, also, Charles Dance's scenes are all shot on the same bridge. I can't remember which bridge it is. St. Paul's, <laughs> one of the bridges... It's as if they were, like, like, the crew on a bus going over the bridge and saw Charles Dance and Bowfinger style jumped off with a camera. Oi, Dance, can you just say, I'm going to cut that slice or whatever. And <laughs> and now, what I love about this film is that, basically, Harper's gone out and written essentially what is a... Um, uh, the, the the equivalent of like a super uh, a supergroup version of a greatest hits of these movies they're top dons. they're you know they're organised criminals in North London and then they um they plan a heist, which, of course, brings the Russian mob to their attention. They, 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 owe, a sh- they owe the Russian mafia money from a shipment of coke. And what's the distraction going to be? It's going to be an hooligan firm. I mean, it just ticks all the boxes. Now, what is genius about this film, to me, is the fact on top of the fact that it's essentially a jive-bunny mega-mix of British gangster tropes, is the fact that the way it's written is how they, they, they talk like they're going to war. And it's like, as Churchill said, we will slice them on the beaches, right? And I believe that the way that the script is written is not in a, this is how these people think. The script is 110% on their side. The script believes that they are soldiers. They're doing the right thing. They need to sell the shipment of cocaine, or the ration. Uh, oh no, some has nicked it. We've got to go and do a bank job. Get the hooligans out. It's the honourable thing to do. It's honourable, mate. We are standing firm, standing tall. It's the British way. The Brit- and, and it's all about being British and being proud to be British. Slice that can, right? And and I just think it's genius. Like, they, they, there's no, there is absolutely. I didn't
1: realise Frank Hart directed it because he's he's fine. And... <laughs>
2: And co-written it <laughs> like, like they—they totally—they oh, are 100%. There is nothing that is not on the side of the criminals in this film. And sure enough, the ending is they get away with it, you know, because they're British and they're honourable. And uh, anyway, I, I, I first time I watched, I was like, "This is the—it's the movie I've been waiting for." And it's the movie that whenever you see these sleeves that are, you know movies when it's like you know, fist of the foot soldiers, gangsters, mum's dog. Uh, looters, tooters, sawn-off shooters Whenever you see these these sleeves And you think this looks epic And it always lets you down The beautiful thing about St George's Day Is it does everything you want it to And I love it I tell you how much I love it I'm I'm sat on my desk I'm staring next. To, I've got a pile of three copies next to me Shrink wraps that I give to people To say,
1: <laughs> watch this mate It's
2: yeah. fucking awesome
1: Just to explain yourself Look, just watch this Yeah, just watch this, was <laughs> this, this is. Is, I'm not a lunatic I, just watch
2: this. Yeah. I'm not a lunatic, watch this. And then invariably people do come back to me and go, you're a lunatic, mate, it's shit. It <laughs> doesn't matter. You know, I know what's good and St. George's Day is good. Half of I salute you. Legend. What's your next one?
1: My number two is one that encapsulates your football hooligan, your gangster, Ooh. your load of muggy dialogue, Ooh. and people taking lots of drugs. Ooh. It's Rise of the Foot Soldier.
2: Yes, 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 yes I actually went to one of the first press screenings of that As you will know, because on the poster it says Fantastic! A modern masterpiece, James Mullinger, GQ <laughs> Does oh, it really? Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> the, great, the best British film since Long Good Friday Yeah, no, um, 100% And uh, can I just quickly jump in, have you seen the sequel?
1: Yes, there's just another one coming as well
2: which is also very good. And there's an mm-hmm. amazing scene in it, which I wish we could play right now, where Ricky Hartnett's in the car. And he just says, "says it's one of the best lines in any of these movies ever. When I can't remember exactly what it is, but he's basically in the car and he just turns to someone and he goes, What can I tell you? I'm a can. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: the best line in this is when, so let's rewind a little bit for the, for the listeners. Yeah. So it's Rise of the Foot Soldiers of 2007, um, directed by Julian Gilby. Yes. And you've you you've got you well the cast, mate. Ricky Harnett, who's awesome. Terry Stone yes. in a fucking terrible syrup.
2: Terrible, terrible. <laughs> syrup. You've got Maskell.
1: Yep. Fair Boss. Fair Boss,
2: Billy Murray. Yep,
1: Roland's back. Roland McCoonian's back. In, again in a terrible syrup. <laughs> and, and and lest we forget. Oh <laughs>
0: think I put in it as Orpah, well. Yeah. <laughs>
2: is not messing up. Is going to be on every
0: film. We're
1: going to change this to Do the we, should, we, should we mention the, the, um, the, the, the Range Rover murders? Yes. At this I mean, point. The, yeah. if, you, if, if you're listening to this and you don't know what they are, right?
2: Fuck off, frankly. Fuck off, yes. <laughs> you're listening to the wrong <laughs> phone. If you, don't know, if you don't know what I'm talking about, when I say Tucker, Tay, Rove, this <laughs> ain't the podcast you know, Tay, you Slicey mug and took this to our cast mate. This ain't for you. I t- I'll tell t- you something for nothing, right? There's a lot of theories about who's done. It. It- it- basically, if this next paragraph doesn't mean anything to you. Fuck off, right? But there's a lot of theories about what happened to Tucker, Tate and Ralph. And I've got to tell you, I've heard them all, right? Some people say it was the Turkish mafia. Some say it was the Russian mafia. One thing I'm for sure is them two bastards, Jack Womes, right? And and his combined drain jail. They definitely did not do it. I've got a theory that noise mob had done it, right? Here's the thing. <laughs> they, they turned over everyone's gear, right? everyone's gear. Now I know, Noi, uh, poor old noise doing a, doing a term that he ain't fair because he was provoked on the motorway. He was provoked. <laughs> <laughs> was definitely well, noise mob, right? Noise mob. they have done a lot of good work at their time, and I well, don't want to talk too much about my works with the Brinks, man, but I was there. I was there. Anyway. I wasn't there, but it doesn't matter. Right, well, here's the thing, right? Noise mob. i done it. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. If that doesn't... If, if what I just said means nothing to you, mm-hmm. just I don't know. But I imagine a lot of people have just tuned out. like, what
1: the fuck? <laughs> it's all about some murders that took place in Rettendon, you understood every word of that. I understood didn't you? every word of it. And <laughs> although you'd be hard pressed not to have come across yeah. it at one point because the same subject has been covered by Essex Boys. Yeah. This Rise of the Foot Soldier, Bonded by Blood, yeah. Fall of the Essex Boys, Essex yeah. Boys Retribution, Rise of the Foot Soldier Part Two, Bonded <laughs> by Blood Part Two, Rise of the Foot Soldier Part Three <laughs>
2: Hang on, where, who gave you my list of top ten favorite films ever made? <laughs> <laughs> Where would
0: you get that from?
1: But it's but this because it starts off with Carlton Leach, who's like a notorious West Ham um fan, a member of a notorious West Ham firm, yeah. and how and he kind of narrates you through it, and then and introduces you later on in the film to Tony Tucker and Pat Tate, and it really is. You've got you start off with loads of fucking football tear ups, and they are really violent. That one on the tube. That is, that is one vicious. of the greatest...
2: I mean, that sequence, I would say, is up there in Hollywood classic moments with the long walk in The Goodfellas. Yep.
1: It is fucking
2: brutal. Ray Liotta walking through a back door,
0: mm.
2: no one gets crunched. Not once. True. A lot of people get crunched in that tube.
1: It is... <laughs> It's up there with the elevator scene in Old Boy. Oh, it
2: is! It is. I agree. It is. I mean, it's epic. I mean, is this is the thing with that film. I saw, I saw that in the cinema, and I was blown away. I mean, it's um, so you know, I mean, again, in being serious, it doesn't glamorize, you know, no. it, it at all. It shows it for what it is, and um, and it's a brilliant film. I love it, and I love. I've the, got I've got three
1: little quotes from this to finish on, mm. and when Carl, when Carlton Leach first starts on the door, he's and he's in the narration. He goes if I catch you noncing in the toilets, <laughs> <laughs> right? the bloke poaches him for a job and he goes, well, what's, what's your club like? It's a den of cunts. <laughs> 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 then, he's, then he takes over the club and his mate says to him, he goes, well, what's going on, Carl? And He goes, you're paying 20 pound to get in and there's no bother. <laughs> <laughs> They're all off their tits. <laughs> Yeah, so if you could get past Terry Terry Stones and uh, Roland Mnookian's terrible wigs, honestly, it's such a laugh, this film. Some of the reviews were brutal on this. They called it vile, disgusting, and, you know, but the usual suspects, the Daily Mail and things like that. So if you hate the Daily Mail, you'll love this film.
2: You you, you will love it. And I've got to point out very quickly, I I Instagrammed a picture earlier of a pile of the movies that were on the shortlist for tonight. And of course, mm. you know, I wouldn't have put in a movie that I'm in, which is why it wasn't in my part. But I posted this picture and it's, you know, it's St. George's Day Football Factory, Essex Vendetta. And I posted, but currently recording the latest episode of Underground Nights. Can you guess what it's about? And the first comment is from Stephen Reynolds, writer of Vendetta, saying, no Vendetta, question <laughs>
1: <laughs> mark. He is in for a treat when he hears your entry. Um. Well, um, cool so what's your what's your second choice james
2: right Now, my second choice this obviously i love id id was probably the first one i saw it's the, the movie that made me fall in love with the genre um unfortunately that's space for id I, I would also say that um that the hooligan factory is actually extremely funny and uh and and does satirize the the, the genre perfectly that almost made the cut at this point um um I have to say also, Kid Althood is, uh, and, 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 and I love Brotherhood. Apart from actually Brotherhood, I found a bit ridiculous. But Kid Oh, and, is that the last one? Y- yeah, the, yeah, the that, third
1: it, one. Yeah, I didn't like that. that yeah, was it was terrible. The first two were good.
2: Ridiculous, but the first two, you know, again, realistic. I wonder Arnold could do with watching a thing like that. But my number two is Rock and Roller. And I never thought Ooh. I'd be putting a guy Ritchie movie in here. But I've got to say, I bloody love it.
1: Bloody hell? I, yeah, you've completely it, thrown me. Yeah.
2: It, 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 I don't I mean, It is. There's something about it. it um, I, felt, I mean, I, I think it's Gerard Butler and Tom Hardy. And, uh, and again, I thought I would uh, move away from, uh, you know, all these other movies, which, again, I mean, I, I loved bits, but Rock and Roller, I just, I, I found it was the first time someone had taken, it's the only time someone has taken what I love about low-budget British gangster movies in a Hollywood way Or does it even Is that even eligible? Is it too high budget To be in this list?
1: No, of course not My absolutely qualifies Yeah, no
2: Yeah, I mean So to me The excitement and the buzz I get from these Low budget movies I mean, to be honest I would say Rock, rock and Roller Is is basically on a par With Dead Man Running now, the thing with that movie Is that um, And both of these Is that they are just All out blistering fun And they're both Very, very similar In many ways I mean, the the, the greatest scene In Dead Man Running Is uh, uh, you know, Danny, Danny doing lines in the back while uh, the Sand's driving along. It's kind of a throwback to him doing speed and human traffic. But, um, but, but to me, rock and roll. Yeah, Guy Vecchi basically somehow managed to take the, all of the stuff we love about these British gangster movies and, and essentially Americanize it and make it to, uh, for an American market. And and I, 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 you know, I just love all the characters. And I was actually massively disappointed that a sequel never happened. And, you know, now when you look back at it, I mean, it's Tom Hardy. It's Idris Elba. Like, it's all those people have gone on to do great things. And then people like, uh, well, obviously Mark Strong as well. But, of course, it's also Toby Kebbell, who we all thought was going to do great things, but something went wrong.
1: Um, yeah, so Tandy Newton's in there as well. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen it? Have you seen it? Yeah, I might got, but yeah. do you know what? Not Not for this. So... It's, it, this is like nearly ten, well, getting on for ten years it, since this came out. Yeah, I've watched all every guy Ritchie film. This yeah. this was certainly one of the better ones. Definitely. Um, his new one though, not hearing great things. King Arthur with David Beckham. You having a laugh, aren't you?
2: I know. I've heard. I've heard that it is it is diabolical. Do you want to hear my number one? Yes, Death row It's hyena. Yes, good call. I mean, I mean, what you've done there is genius because I mean, somehow. I, I, this is how weird the modern, modern world is. I, as you know, live, breathe. As anyone listening can tell, I live, breathe this stuff. The only way I heard about hyena was through the soundtrack. Was through the soundtrack. That the company that uh, the company that that produced the vinyl was it Death Waltz or whatever. Yeah. The vinyl. I thought that looks cool. Googled it and I read all these glowing reviews. I mean, I mean, I'm sure as you're about to. Say, I mean, I mean, Rock and Roller took these British gangster movies and made. Uh, Hollywoodized and mass market. Hyena took them and turned it fucking art house and kitchen yeah. sink. Um, good job. Well, yeah, because
1: that, that soundtrack, actually, what, what I've got you, your um, The The record, the, the, yeah. who well, should be with you maybe even tomorrow.
2: Oh, beautiful, brother. For record
1: store day. Don't sell it. It's worth a lot of money. <laughs> I will No, 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 I no, won't. No, no. <laughs> That'll be on fucking eBay by tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I'll be sending it to Elton with his, with his next appeal <laughs> Yeah.
1: So for anyone who doesn't, and, and people may have missed this one in particular. I think um, a lot of people
2: probably have, e- e- even Crim fans.
1: Yeah, Hyena, 2014, um, um, directed by Gerard Johnson and stars uh, Peter Ferdinando, Stephen Graham, who's a proper nasty bastard on a, in, on British TV. He's a fucking nasty bastard. And, um, and our old friend, Neil Maskell. Yeah.
2: Of course. It made me go and buy Tony, the movie.
1: Oh, <laughs> mate, I love that. Oh, yeah. Anyway, let's... let's yeah, so, kinda... Peter Ferdinando um, plays a, a basically a bent policeman Yeah. who invests 100 grand in a, in a Turkish drug route, um, which ends up being taken over by a couple of dodgy Albanians. And he wants to get his investment back. He wants to get back in the game. There's also a a kind of a a plot about human trafficking and that's the genius of it. His reaction and the way he deals with the human trafficking keeps you fully invested in, in his character and wanting him to succeed at all of his nefarious activities. And that's the genius of this film. You've got almost two films running parallel. Yeah. One about a fucking monster and one about this really compassionate, amazing guy you melt the two together and you want him to win.
2: And you're right, that is the genius of it. I love um, unlikable characters where they're not making a concerted effort to make them likable. Like I hate movies when, I mean, again, As was an example where it's like they like these, the, the, the script loves these characters, even though they are deplorable, but, but the people making the film think that they're uh, lads. Whereas the thing with this is they're not trying to make him nice he just, it's a brilliant performance. He's not trying to be all make oh. you know what I mean? Play. It's an amazing performance. Every scene is beautifully shot. And of course, I mean, part of the genius of it is it comes out and it's got this, you know, cliched plot a bent cop up here, trying to do the right thing, upsets the wrong people, blah, blah, blah. And yet everything about how it's made, I mean, I, I, I don't know how someone sat down and went, I'm going to make this movie. Uh, and then it turned into that. And I don't think anyone expected it to be the genius that it is.
1: Yeah, no, I, I absolutely, and I think you know Peter. Pete Peter Ferdinando is outstanding, completely underrated. He he carries the whole film. He has a lot of work to do. The supporting cast don't have a lot, and it's a shame that Neil Maskell isn't in it more. But the comedy comes from his um, Neil Maskell and he, and his two mates who are the who are the coppers who that he works for, and they yeah. are fucking hilarious. The the antics they get up to. It's such a good film. Yeah, but a- we, we mentioned at the start that list. Ordered by IMDb,
0: yeah.
1: Well, you would have thought top fifty British gangster films, Hyena would be near the top, wouldn't you?
2: Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, less than half. I expect twenty four, twenty five. Oh Some God. of the okay. absolute took in the IMDb ratings that is ahead ahead of Hyena. Is criminal. The
2: thing with happened to be, unfortunately, is that with these kind of movies where there's not many ratings on there, it's very easy for people nah. to actually hack them. And if you've got a, a, a film that has a, a thousand extras in it and you tell every one of those to click 10, that's that.
1: Yeah. Should we just point out that this is fucking brutal? Yeah. Of all the films we've discussed, this is probably the one that's the most disturbing, I, I, would you say? I, I, yeah, I def- definitely. And it's. um. It's not like the
2: it's not like the British remake of Pusher, where it's kind of like a jolly romp through being you know a bit of a crim. It's, no, it, it 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 is. I mean, it's made all the more nasty but it's incredibly realistic. But as again, I mean, people should not only but weirdly it wasn't released on Blu-ray in England, was it? Which is very frustrating because I had to order my Blu-ray from I think France. Okay, well
1: probably it's probably Germany, wasn't it? France, Germany. Possibly, yeah. Very annoying. Did it have the word hooligan in the title in Germany? <laughs>
2: Funny to say that because, I mean, in, in the UK, you know, unfortunately, it got these amazing, glowing reviews, but no one saw it. And it was kind of, um, of course, packaged and marketed like all of these other films. So, you know, no one knew what a masterpiece they were dealing with. But, I mean, it, it's better than The Long Good Friday, even.
1: Yeah. If you're listening to this podcast, then trust me, you're going to love Hyena.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: James, so, go on. What have you got for me? I'm excited by this because I genuinely haven't got a clue.
2: It is basically one of the only films from this genre that is in my ten favourite films ever. It's the one I've watched a hundred times. Uh, it's The Football Factory. Oh, beautiful.
1: <laughs>
2: Absolutely. I, again, like like I mean, I went to, see, I mean, I went to, see, to a screening on my own uh, to see it, and I went in, you know, it was my early days at GQ. I was, you know, caught quarter life crisis, hadn't started doing stand-up. I was definitely depressed desperate you know definitely unhappy worried that you know life wasn't going to play out how i wanted and i came out of that movie fucking buzzing and 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 regardless of the fact that you know uh you know it's a it's a very enjoyable ride i think it's brilliantly well made and and i i i mean i do think it's up there with one of the great british films and it's interesting to, to point out that early days when it came out it was getting like I me mean, empire i think gave it four stars Um, It is up there, and very few, if any, movies other than Heine have topped it in terms of artistry for me. And, and I mean, I just thought Dyer's performance is brilliant. And, again, I mean, Dyer, Arpa, Asan, Manoogian, Maskell. Yep. Sutton, Jamie Foreman. Oh, uh,
1: mate, we haven't mentioned Jamie Foreman all night. He's he's the racist cabbie, isn't he? He's is The racist <laughs> cabbie. Um, I, I, I think it's the damn.
2: Alan Lillo produced it. Who, of course, produced uh, Human Traffic and and I, I believe famously caused some problems for Justin Kerrigan, should we say, for legal reasons.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, but um, but yeah, I mean Nick Lowe, I think is massively underrated and uh, and. Um, the speech at the beginning, you know, he occasionally kicked fuck out of someone. Like it was up there with trains uh, with with, uh, with train spotting, and and I've also said many times before that I think you know this would be considered a classic, were it um, were the fact that it's about working class lads. You know that that's you know it's it's um it's brilliant. I absolutely love it. And and I yeah again I'm not being a hooligan. I can't speak, but I believe it's uh it's very well regarded in that field, but also I believe that it's deemed as very realistic. And then when it came out, there was early, there was work prints of it being bootlegged, which again, kind of hit the box office, I think badly because all of the the hooligans were sharing it. But um, yeah, I I think it's a great film, it's enjoyable. It's also at times disturbing. And, um, yeah, I I absolutely love it. And Dyer is magnificent in it. I think I actually said in in the Danny Dyer book that it was my favourite as well.
1: Well, I I, I have this theory that anyone who says they haven't seen The Football Factory is lying. Right. right. Do you know what I mean? Because fuck off, everyone's seen The Football Factory. Even if you hate football and you hate fucking Danny Dyer and you hate the whole culture of Vladism, you'd have gone, I'll just have a quick peek.
2: Yeah. And you can't
1: help but be entertained. It is, it is
2: brilliant, mate. I mean, I've shown it to so many people and they've all become football hooligans straight out seeing it. series.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I, my job is done. <laughs> I'm so glad you picked that because I didn't want to pick, I didn't want to, I thought oh, right. because I'm into football, it would have been naff. Right. But the fact that you have football right. and you picked this film, that should tell anyone who hasn't seen it, not anyone listening to this won't have done, but do you know what I mean? The fact that you don't even like football. Right,
2: right. And if I, I took
1: you to a football match, you would shit yourself.
2: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I would, <laughs> and I would have a great time. And when I say I hate football, I of course, football. I'm just tied up with with you reading books. I can't
1: enjoy. I don't have time to
2: go to the football. But, <laughs>
1: you're, but, you're helping down at the lesbian refuge. Yeah,
2: uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah. I'm I'm doing community work, but I'm also you know trying to work on his appeal for him, <laughs> uh, trying to. Trying to find out who really killed uh, Tucker Tate Roll because it definitely weren't uh, Mick and Jack Tate. Tate Tucker Tate Roll. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, they was bad, lads. But I tell you what, when when you bumped into Tucker's pub, he always bought you a pint. Bought you a pint, yes. Yes, he might have once cut my mum's nose off and shoved it up her ass and. And, and, you know, slap my wife about. But he was a good blow. He never meant nothing by her. Tucker, Tate, Rolf, they was businessmen. They was businessmen. They never hurt no... I mean, they hurt everyone, but they didn't (laughs) mean it. It was just business. If you're trying to sell 500 to Charlie and there's someone standing there, you know, Saying that you shouldn't be doing that. Of course you're gonna stick one in their fucking liver. Of course you are. You ain't got a choice. Slice them and dice them, or you don't make your money.
1: <laughs> I love, I love that Britain is a country where if you've bought someone a pint at any time in history, no matter what their crime, yeah, he's a no, surrounding. He's a top fella. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, How?
2: Harold Shipman if Harold Shipman had bought yeah. someone a pint what he would have been let off Scot free yeah you know, yeah well uh, the evidence the prosecution states we have video footage of him killing 200 women and old old people and then the defense states he bought me a pint not with... a <laughs> girl we walk free Mr. Shipman. We have we have CCTV
1: <laughs> footage here from the Red lion.
2: <laughs> we apologise for any inconvenience, Mr. Shipman. If only we had known that when you when you took a day off from your thirty-five year killing spree to buy this man a pint, you should have said we wouldn't have put you through the inconvenience of this one day trial. <laughs>
1: oh mate oh dear is that going on your next uh, act (laughs)
0: because
1: I bet you don't that doesn't happen in Canada, does it someone buys you a pint you can be
2: it's definitely not like I'm writing it down because that's absolutely genius
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh mate I'm going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to talk about our worst film We're now going to attention to a stinker each. And as James and I have said on this podcast many times, we're not going after the little guy. This, well, certainly on my choices, you know, we're going after people who should know better, people who've spunk millions of pounds on an absolute clusterfuck.
2: Now, this is definitely a tricky one because obviously the worst is more Bandit. Right, right. We've covered that, that, can't
1: be that we yeah, <laughs> at,
2: at some length. But of course, it is also the best in many yes. ways. It's the most entertaining. It's the most um I would have to say, unfortunately, so my worst would probably have to be Green Street. One. Number one. Two and three were almost on on the best list. Now I should point out for anyone listening, if you don't know, two is the one that is basically based on the escape to victory, where they're all in jail, <laughs> a, a jail that looks like Texas. And <laughs> football.
1: Fucking Green Street Two is one of the worst films ever made.
2: No, 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 it's one of the best.
1: If you know anything about football, it's one of the worst films, but you clearly don't. I know
2: exactly. <laughs> my my, my big problem, my big problem with Green Street Two is that they're in jail. Right. Like mo- most elegant movies, you have, to con- you have to basically, or most movies, you have to try and make up a conflict that pushes otherwise normal people into mm. violence. Green Street 2 has a load of violent people in a jail, and this unfortunately pushes them to have
1: a game of soccer. Which, yes, but James, they're segregated by the team they support. I'm not sure the channel in the country who offer that particular arrangement.
2: I know, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Green Street, Green Street One is basically in there for the same reason I mean, that Charlie mm. has gone on. Let's. I mean, to be utterly amazing in Sons of Anarchy, Charlie Hunnam's casting. And performance in Green Street is, I believe... And again, I I am a fan. Sons of Anarchy is one of my favourite things, although I understand he is terrible in Guy Ritchie's new movie. But Charlie Adams' performance in Green Street makes it not just the worst Hooligan movie ever made, but one of the worst movies ever made.
1: And not because the Hobbit bloke's in it. (laughs) Which is the least of his problems. You've got the bloke from The Hobbit.
2: This is the beauty... (laughs) When, when Hobbit got the part, he probably thought, oh, fuck, I'm going to have right dickhead here. And then he probably walked into day one of auditions and Charlie Hunnam went, in. oh, hey, governor, are we going to set up some wait He probably thought, "Thanks, fuck, I am saved here. Fuck me, Elijah Wood is fucking Frank Harper. <laughs> I, mean, Hunnam just, I mean, it's unbelievable, but it goes to show him, that foreign people can't anyone not being can't tell a British. So people come up to me all the time, and they they have no idea. What I mean, I mean, I mean, some people could say I sound quite posh. People come up to me and they go, "Oh my God, are you Cockney? You're Cockney, aren't you?" Right? People have no idea. So the fact that a German was entrusted with making a movie about, I mean, I mean, what the Germans should have done was make a movie about credit card fraud and put the word Holocaust in the title. But, um, hey! But, but, but again, I mean, which I should point out our good friend Jonathan Soscar... A uh, 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 white collar hooligan uh, was, of course, a movie which they which they made, and it's actually a very very well made movie which did very well thanks to the title. But it's not really about hooliganism; it's about credit card fraud. Uh, rise and fall of a, of, of a white collar hooligan, too. Mm-hmm. They, of course, knew that success of the first one was mm-hmm. hooliganism, and then oddly decided to make a sequel, also not about hooliganism. Which well, was
1: a- do you know what? In front of me, I've got um, the the uh, all three of them. I've got the rise and fall of a white collar. Collar Hooligan, oh, yeah. then Rise and Fall of a White hol- Collar Hooligan England Away 2. And then Meet the Firm. No, because yeah. I've got the German copy and it's called White Collar Hooligan 3. Interesting. <laughs> it really is.
2: But, but it should be because it is the third one. I've, yeah. got, I've got it right in front of me and it's The Firm Revenge in Rio. <laughs> right, i
1: will love to send you the artwork for this. I
2: mean, the great thing about this is that, I mean, all of these... This could actually describe St. George's Day, the tournament of the year, the heist of the decade, the fight of their lives. Mm-hmm. Of course, by this point, I mean, you basically know when Nick Naverne's turning it down, it ain't, you it ain't, it shouldn't be carrying on. No. Which well, weird.
1: Do we, we, have we mentioned Simon Phillips tonight? Bless him.
2: No, we haven't. He
1: no. is either in or responsible for probably, you know, 75% of the films and, I've and, got on and, DVD. And again,
2: I don't know the guy but credit to him because basically I have more Simon Phillips movies in my collection than I do Martin Scorsese movies. So
1: Exactly. And that, do you know I was saying the same argument the other night. I was like when I first saw him I, I really didn't like him and I've gone all the way through the whole kind of Gambit to his latest one where I was like I oh, quite enjoyed that. He's actually getting. He's literally. He's acted so many times now. He's. He had to get good of it by default.
2: Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got one called the Hooligan Wars. It's actually about ice cream wars. Um, yes. Uh, I mean, I mean, so so I put Green Street in there. Slightly to be facetious, because a lot of people put it on their best list, and I do think it is truly awful. And and Football Factory is a masterpiece. Uh, um, original Gangster is probably what the actual worst, which is Dave Courtney. Uh, in a movie which oddly I picked up in my HMV here in St. John. And uh, it is, uh, the tagline says, um, uh, This is the synopsis Dave Courtney gives an unforgettable performance as Dave Bishop, one of the most murderous gangsters ever depicted on film in this bloody crime epic. Through flashbacks, you are blah, blah, blah. I mean, and it's um, staggeringly. It, I mean, it's just random scenes that don't make any sense. There's, there, I mean, there's other uh, disciplines, as I say. But but ultimately, for me, uh, the worst is, without a shadow of, of a doubt, Green Street One.
1: Well, I've gone for um, a film that had a budget of £12 million. Pounds. £12 million. Pounds. And it had uh a stellar cast. Well, some of them. Um, Reese Evans, Joseph Fiennes. Sadie Frost, Stephen Berkhoff, Keith Allen, Nick Moran, Danny Bear. Yes. Do you know what it is?
2: Is it Guy Ritchie's revolver?
1: No, it's rancid aluminium.
2: Yes.
1: Yes. Which is fucking, James, it is just incomprehensible. James Hall's book... Right. right now, yeah. Which is which the book is. Have you made White Merk with fins? Yes, I, mate. Well, I I grew up through this period. Me too. Everyone I mean, on Hall's the fucking book. tube had that James Hawes book. Yeah, and Everyone. you read it and you thought,
2: wouldn't this make a great movie? Yes. And then they went and fucked it up.
1: They fucked it. Even Wikipedia says this is the worst British film ever made.
2: <laughs> I mean, I mean, but like, did they write that before Comedians Go?
1: Mate, this is different level. <laughs> it's <laughs> no, no, poorly no, no, no. made. Now, incomprehensible now, now,
2: you know me well enough to know that if, if we sat here and you just told me about the best movie you'd ever seen, mm. I would not probably watch it in this year or ever. Right after this podcast, I'm going to be watching Anted Aluminium. I sat over there.
1: I, because I, I was researching this and I was looking through all the usual suspects of what's terrible, and then I suddenly thought, Have I even seen this? And I love <laughs> this book, so I watched it and it's. Just unbelievably bad. Um, one quote: right. crit- Rancid Aluminium is beyond criticism because it is very hard, even after several viewings, to work out what the hell is going on. <laughs> <laughs> There's a scene in it with a woman who suddenly just cuts to a woman playing with a load of jizz running down her leg for no reason. <laughs> it's supposed to be about a publisher who borrows some money from the Russians. Mm. That's all you. That's it. That's the plot. Publisher yeah. borrows money from the Russians, goes tits. But it's like if they made uh, commercials that were shown in the cinema in 1979 for vodka. <laughs> that's what it a looks like and feels like. If you're a commercial director in 1979 for a provincial vodka brand and you could only afford to get it into provincial cinemas, that's who shot this film. First time director. Who gives? Uh, the, yeah. <laughs> I think it was all to do with the, the kind of the whole Britpop thing. Yes, they wanted to have that kind of punchy pop movie with that cast. I mean, Danny Bears in it for fuck's sake.
2: Yeah, I mean they thought it was basically for the word generation. But yeah, the word we watched the word because it was Friday night we were stoned. I mean, I mean it is it is particularly odd as you say because I'd say that the awfulness of that film basically rendered um, uh, White With Finns a film that was never going to happen, which no. is such a shame because that would have been amazing.
1: That's it um, that is for this it. episode of Underground Nights. James, have you got any plug?
2: Um, just check out the website, com and, uh, yeah, go to my website, jamesminder.com, and there's loads of new stand-up clips and stuff on there. And uh, I will just also add that I watched a movie that, again, I was heard billion great things about, um, and they turned out to be uh, mostly true. T- Tony Erdman, uh, which made me think a lot about uh, those brilliant movies, the clown movies that you recommended. Have you seen Tony I, Erdman yet?
1: I have seen it.
2: Yeah. What do you think?
1: Mm, I didn't. I know you loved it. Well, I I, I hated it because it was too fucking long, and there was only one joke, and that was jizzing on a cake. Yes.
2: Well, as soon as I, say, I thought it was good, but the reviews that I read made it out to be clown funny, and it definitely was not. No. And it's exactly
1: very, the same. I was expecting clown.
2: Yeah,
1: I just didn't get it. It was just I got it, but I didn't get it. It didn't make me laugh.
2: Yeah, and 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 it didn't need to be three hours. And uh, no, and, and, and I definitely enjoyed it. But we watched it in three in three goes, which is never a good oh, thing.
1: Is, that's never uh, a good it's not, thing. It's not a
2: good thing. But um, but um. Interestingly, oh my god, like, this always happens. It's that point. I said someone just posted this happened. The exact same thing happened, I think, on the podcast last time. I posted a picture and someone just posted, What about this? Can I just say that we've forgotten something? Which again, because I don't have it, it wasn't, it's fucking uh, um, layer cake would be on my list of likes,
1: it would. And we mentioned um, Jamie Foreman earlier, whose performance yeah. in that is probably possibly my favorite. It's, oh, it's tight between here. Yeah, no, I would say it's my, because he is so fucking batshit in that film. Yeah, yeah. He is completely off his fucking It's crazy. Is it,
2: have you read the book Viva La Madness, the sequel? I haven't, no. It's actually, I mean, obviously the book of Layer Cake is amazing. And actually, it's actually, the book is obviously better because it's not Daniel Craig. And Daniel <laughs> Craig didn't quite fit that part particularly. Oh, did it, you
1: know I thought that was his best film? It is. It is for him. And Sienna Miller. Oh, God, that outfit. <laughs>
2: I honestly think that there's um oh yeah but i th- but I think um it's well worth reading this book because it is truly epic if you if you like you know crims and cocaine films and all the rest of it that is that is a great movie but uh but that is it but I just want to say uh you know we'll be back again soon and and thanks for listening and and thank you Paul and we love you Owen if you're listening
1: yep do Head over to FoulCritics.com where you can uh, get reviews of all the latest um, superhero movies, if that's your thing. And uh, we'll see you next time. Awesome. Underground Knights is presented by James Mullinger and Paul Field. This episode was produced by me, Owen Hughes, and the music was provided by James Yule. Underground Knights is a part of the Failed Critics network of podcasts, along with Failed Critics film podcast and our gaming podcast, Character Unlock. You can check us out at failedcritics.com forward slash underground hyphen knights, or find us on Twitter at UG Knights. Thanks for listening. Is that alarm in your house? That is an alarm going off outside. <laughs> it's all kicking off. It's all kicking off. It's, it's, all, it's, all, kicking off in it's all kicking off in
2: Vexville. It's all kicking Someone's heard that some mug's about to slag off some hooligan movie so the extras have shown up. The extras <laughs> have shown up to see what's what and to sort that poor field there at once and for bloody all.
0: <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well,